Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and the Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from the Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, expand your perceptions, and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I did a full faceplant into a spiritual lesson. at 100 miles an hour. Has that happened to you? You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes spiritual lessons sort of gradually become clear to you. And then other times it's like riding a bike into a low-hanging tree limb where it's like, oh, okay, I see that now. I get it. So in case you're heading for this particular low-lying tree limb, I thought I'd say this because it keeps coming up. Those of us who are on the spiritual path have had a lot of these lessons already. There are already things that we understand. There are already things that we know. There are already wise words that have fallen out of our mouths a million times over to friends and others that have really helped them. And then every now and then we come to a new corner in the road where none of those things that are in our brains that we have access to in our beliefs, help. That thing that you already know that you're watching play out should be helping you somehow, but it's not. And so this is what I learned. It's not because those spiritual lessons that you've already learned or that loving people are parroting back to you aren't valuable or don't make sense or don't even apply to the situation at hand. It's simply that this means that you are on the cusp of something new. Those things don't quite click in all the ways that they've clicked many times before because you are about to click into something new. Something that you are uniquely suited to understand. And that understanding your uniqueness may be a vital part of the step you are about to take. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus themselves, and then afterwards we will discuss. Enjoy! is quite natural, you would say. There is not much that humans consider to be natural to their beings, other than perhaps the things that you do not consciously think about. You do not consciously think about breathing minute by minute, 
you do not consciously think about moving your eyes. You simply look in different directions. Thus, the things that a human would consider to be flowing are often the things that they are unconscious to. To a human, the things that they would view as being natural are often the things over which they have little to no conscious control. Beloved ones, this was by design. This is part of the environment of limitation that you created in which you disallow your perception of so much that is around you in creation. And in this environment, you created an artificial playing field of judging, believing, and interacting with your environment by way of your massive belief system complex. In so doing, your reality, your existence, becomes a sort of culmination of living, perceiving, and acting by way of these beliefs. We would like to point out to you today that the underlying game structure that supports all of these experiences has also been created by you. Thus, all those things that you would deem to be natural to your existence here comes from the creative power that you have quite naturally by being an expression of creation itself. Thus, who do you think energizes the manifestation of a human body that breathes? You do. Thus, who do you think created an environment of earth and trees and water and sky and air that you breathe, you did. We understand that for the purposes of this experience, you disallowed the perception of all the things that you created as part and parcel of the entire experience of a human life and instead narrowed your conscious perception to the actions and the judgments that you make every second, every day, in the course of what you call your human life. There is so much more out there than what you view in the busy day-to-day activities that you enjoy here. These aspects you may be beginning to understand, particularly in the realm of your sciences and spirituality, that you are coming to understand that you may have broader impacts on the environment around you 
in creating the structure of the environment around you than you had previously thought. In the sciences, you are becoming aware of ideas in the realms of quantum mechanics and theories that demonstrate to you over and over again the ability to affect energy, the ability to create a variety of different realities, a variety of different connections between parts of your existence here that you had previously thought very distant from each other. In the realms of spirituality, you are coming to understand your energetic body. You are beginning to have sensations that come to you that are far and beyond what you might experience with the five senses. And thus, you begin to understand how the perceptions that you have via the five senses may be formed or affected. As we have suggested previously, humanity is awakening to the blindfold that you had very purposefully and very lovingly placed over yourselves for this experience of limitation. And as this first step to awakening to the blindfold, you are starting to become aware of things beyond it that you had not seen. We would suggest that as you move forward in your experience of understanding the blindfold and everything that is beyond it, that this idea of what comes naturally to you will expand. We know that humans, when they think of flow, imagine stepping into a stream of energy that exists somewhere out there that, via their judgments and mental capacities, they often withhold themselves from. We would like to suggest, perhaps, a new visualization of this concept that the flow has always been in you, has always been part of you. It is this flow of energy that you used to create this environment and still do today. And rather, that you are awakening to new and different capacities that you have in that flow. Said another way, you are expanding outward to meet more of flow, more of that energetic, free-flowing, loving place where you are created and where you create. Do not worry, beloved ones. As you step into greater freedom, We understand that you might activate many beliefs about your lack of control. That to a human, it may start to feel like you don't know which way is up or down. (laughs) 
a powerful experience of limitation, we would say. But that not only will these sensations be temporary, but also that as you move forward, what might have felt a little unstable, a little unknown, will start to feel like glorious freedom. From all the things that you thought you had to do, had to accomplish, had to be, or had to achieve. As the illusions fall away, you will find a greater sense of your own flow. We are flowing with you, beloved ones, and we love you infinitely. weekend, I discovered that I am somewhere between strongly mediocre and lukewarm proficient at laser tag. I may not have been the best in the room, but I wasn't the worst. I was able to shoot a lot of the jewels on the wall. I got some of the other players in the back for extra points. I destroyed the cobra base on the other side of the room by myself, twice. So, you know, all in all, I think I'm pretty good at laser tag. Now, if you've been human for a while and you heard me say that, most likely one of your next questions would be, well, Katie, who else was in the room? Who were you playing against? And I would say, oh, uh, it was basically people who are over the age of 70 or also younger humans about three and a half feet high. And then you might laugh a little bit. And I would say, why are you laughing? And then you would say, well, we can see how you did pretty good against those players. But, you know, what happened if you were, you know, playing laser tag against some ex-Navy SEALs or professional gamers or folks like that? You might not do so well. And I would say, huh, interesting. Now, I don't know. I still think I'm strongly mediocre. <laughs> Have you ever come across somebody and something comes naturally to them and you sort of just hate them for it? <laughs> oh, we're starting out strong this week. But seriously, have you ever really wished you could do something and then you come across someone who does it without a second thought? after you have thought about it, scrutinized it, wished for it, judged how well you were doing it, and then someone just does it. Feels like, ugh, real rage, doesn't it? Real frustration. As if that shouldn't be possible here, right? That why is it that we all have to struggle around certain things while others do not. Seems a little unfair. 
Today, the chorus brought up the concept of flow and also relatedly the idea of what comes quote unquote naturally to us, to humans. And if we met and I said, what comes naturally to you? I can almost guarantee that as a human, you will begin to think of an answer to that question in terms of action, in terms of things that you are able to do on the five senses spectrum. So you will think, well, gosh, I, I guess what comes naturally to me is, is my ability to, and then fill in the blank, to cook amazing meals, to write music, to understand a strategy, to anticipate the enemy's actions, et cetera, et cetera. Not only do we base this understanding in the context of physical action in the five senses spectrum, but we also apply to it judgments, typically on a linear scale, as you know, we've been talking about recently. Humans love lines in terms of understanding their place, both in time and in perspective. And so you might say it comes naturally to me, not only because I can do it without thinking much about it, but also I know that it's considered good. I do it well. I do it better than others I have encountered who also try to do that thing. And so the chorus says today, what do you think comes to you naturally? Now, one of us humans might stand up and say, singing. And the chorus would say, interesting. Why do you think that is so? And we would say, well, I can do it very easily. And also, all the other people I have ever heard sing, I can sing as good or better than them. And the chorus would say, how do you know? And you would say, oh, well, A good singer here on earth is considered someone who can do this and hit a lot of notes and have a powerful tone and carry a tune and et cetera, and and sounds nice. And lots of people have told me that I sing really well. A lot of people like it. And they say, fascinating. And then they say, we see a lot of songbirds on your planet. There are many creatures there who sing. How do you compare to them? And you would say, I'm sorry, what? And they would say, we've seen these TV shows that you have where you all compete and where you all compete to sing who sings the best. So who is it, you or the bird? And you would say, oh, of course, that's different. That's different. We don't compete against animals or anything like that. We just compete human to human. And they would say, fascinating. Okay, and then they would say one more question. How do you compare to all the singers of Atlantean times? And you would say, what? And they would say, you know, Atlantis, that part of your history that you're all just starting to remember. Anyways, they had a lot of really talented musicians, or so they felt at the time. They thought they were very good at music. And so we wonder, how do you believe you compare against them? And you would say, I don't, I don't know them. I do, I've never heard that music. I guess, I guess I could start listening to that music and then probably form opinions and, and all of us could listen to it and we could all decide and then I could sing. And, and they say, okay, thank you. Fascinating. Now you might laugh at this example in some ways and you're supposed to because a lot of this awakening stuff is all for fun. But it's a lot like my laser tag context. 
I say, all right, I think I'm pretty good. And then you look at that example and you say, but Katie, what about all the other people who play laser tag who were not in the room? In previous episodes, we have touched on the idea of a finite database versus an infinite database. And in the idea of a finite database, where there are only so many things in there to count, it is possible to take an average. It is possible to look at outliers. It is possible to draw a conclusion and say the majority of things that we counted here add up to this. So my context, my finite database, was a room that I played laser tag in with a finite number of other humans in it that had varying levels of skill on laser tag. Another way of looking at our finite database is all of the physical manifestations that we encounter or recall in the course of our lifetime. So you say, I'm a very good singer. And I can say, well, yes. Perhaps that is so compared to all the other singers that you have heard about or a friend has sent to you or you saw on TV or you listened to their recordings, etc. And all of our judgments and beliefs about what make a good singer, which you are tapped into, then I could say, yes, you are able to draw that conclusion. But now from the vantage point of the chorus, they want to know or they are asking, What happens when the database becomes infinite? What happens when there is an infinite number of other singers against which you could compare yourself? Does it still come naturally to you? When you begin to contemplate an infinite number of points of comparison, the actual faculty of comparison is what starts to be put into question. Because certain functions of judgment work in a limited context. But as you expand outward into an an infinite number of those things, it becomes less and less possible for you to count them all, add them all up, and then determine what that judgment would be Because in the process of your counting, there has been an expansion of an infinite number more. So now we can talk about what the chorus was really asking today. When they talked about what comes naturally to us and the concept of flow. As the chorus stated in their opening, They said, we understand that you have a concept of flow now. That when humans think of flow, we imagine stepping into a stream of energy that exists somewhere out there and that via our judgments or mental capacities, we often withhold ourselves from. Now, this might feel a little accurate. Maybe you're in new age spiritual circles where that word flow is actually used among your friends or colleagues quite often, where they would say, I was really in the flow last night and I realized some things and et cetera. 
But also, if you wander around Earth for a little bit and wander in and out of different conversations, you will start to hear this concept coming up, even subconsciously among our kind, where people will say, oh, I don't know, it just, it just isn't coming to me right now. As in, there is a place where things do come to me, but I am not in that place right now. I am stuck. I am not flowing. Or perhaps when someone is working through something and they allude to speed or velocity as a proxy of flow. So it really all came together quickly. It was so great. It just it just really all coincided. As in, there is a sense of a flowing of energy that sort of happened as opposed to inherently these other times when it could not come together that fast when these other times were characterized by something different than what was happening in that moment when it, quote unquote, all came together. This concept of flow, as are many of the things that the Course touches on through these podcasts, is actually a part of awakening. The sense that we have that there's a difference at times between when things are really fluid and working and clicking and making sense and when they are not is relatively new. It wasn't always that flow was in town. (laughs) So we can talk about the day that flow came to town and also another stranger to our parts up until then, the concept of uniqueness. This is starting to sound a little bit like a Western, so maybe we'll just go with it. So, at one point in time, there was a town called Humanity. And in this town, everyone was driven by subconscious beliefs about doing and acting in the physical context. There was next to no reflection upon the existence because consciousness, our consciousnesses at that time, were fully aligned to the belief systems that had been manifested by our resonance with the frequencies of disallowance. And so we created a massive belief system complex that is vast and largely unconscious so that we could focus on our experience in the Western town of humanity. As our consciousness began to expand, we started to have experiences of perspective on our own existences. We started to ask questions about why do we do these things that we do? We started to reflect on it. We started to develop philosophies or religions or new belief systems. And although they were new beliefs, these beliefs were in many ways expanded because they were reflections of our broader perspective from which we were looking at our experience of a human life. It was in one of these expansive moments that humanity began to sense something that eventually became called flow. Before it was named, however, this thing, this sense, was simply that things might work, might happen, might appear, might come together without physical effort. In the last couple of weeks, we have started to touch on this idea of physical action and doing and earning and et cetera. 
And there is a lot in our existence that is built to help us engage in the physical environment, one of which being our idea of to do. To do, according to the Course and what we spoke about last week, is actually the sort of simultaneous collision of three things. The recognition of a desire or an idea that you have, the identification that it has not yet manifested on the five senses spectrum, and then also the instigation or activation of beliefs that tell you that you must do things in the physical environment to make that thing happen. But then something happened in this Western town where people began to notice that things could happen without their effort. So they had in their mind, I really got to ride across town and go talk to this person about this thing. And as they're thinking about it, that person comes into their shop and saves them the trip that they otherwise would have made. Huh, it's kind of funny. I didn't, I didn't count on that. I didn't plan on that. I didn't foresee that. I had no concept mentally of the possibility that that person could walk into my store and save me the trip. As more and more of these manifestations continued to pile up, we started to talk about it. We started to notice it collectively. We started to apply physical sound to this experience that we had been having by way of conversation and by way of names. And over the course of this continual manifestation of things working out without our effort, we began to call it something. We called it flow. And as humans are wont to do, we applied our limitation, our beliefs, our perspective to it. And so this sensation that was a pure sensation, a pure observation at the start, started to become more of a thing, a thing that shows up sometimes, a thing that goes away other times, a thing that is somewhere out there, thus applied in our minds and our mental space to the concept of a physical place that flow exists as a place and sometimes we are there in the flow and sometimes we are not there. Hence, we are somewhere else, more limiting and less desirable. (laughs) Over time, this concept of flow began to coincide with a similar yet slightly different idea, concept in our mentality, which was that it seemed to coincide with something that we would call not thinking about it. So as in the example I just gave, things would show up or work out without your conscious planning in advance. And this began to apply to everything from things working out in your business or in your day-to-day life to a lucky shot, right? You pulled out your gun just in time and you weren't even thinking about how to aim it. You just fired and it hit its mark in a way that you have maybe never even been able to do when you're consciously thinking about how to hit the target. As more and more of these manifestations kept happening, this sort of idea that flow, that this sense of things working out also coincided with this not thinking about it began to grow. And we started to develop more and related concepts to it that took on names like instinct or luck or, as in most recently, synchronicity. The idea that when you are in this space, in this thing that we call flow, 
more and expanded things are possible than what you had thought of or what you had tried for or what potentially you could even effort into being when left to your own devices. So you and I might be standing down at the corral, shooting old cans off a fence. And I could say to you, man, you're a really good shot. How do you do it? And you might reply to me, it just comes naturally. And I would say, what does that mean? And you would say, I don't know how I shoot this good. I just always been able to do it. I hit my mark often. And I know from seeing other people shoot guns that they don't always hit their mark, but I do. And so these concepts of flow and not thinking about things and what comes naturally all started to sort of merge and tangle together. And in a way, as we are wont to do, we were continuing to limit in some aspects, this new and expansive perception that we had once perceived. We gave it names. We gave it specificity. We identified that it's there sometimes and it's not. We told ourselves that it must be difficult to achieve. It must be mysterious or unknown or hard to pin down. As we considered it in the perspective of our five senses environment, it became a thing that took on aspects of limitation. Okay, but then one day, a new set of characters roll into town called the chorus. (laughs) And as they come into town, they're quite fascinated with everything that we've built here and everything that we've been experiencing. And they say, oh, we see your concept of flow now. And you say, yeah. Check it out. One time I was competing in this darts competition and I was really feeling the flow. And every time I threw a dart, it hit the target. It hit the bullseye. Can you believe that? And they say, fascinating. We see it slightly differently. And you would say, what do you mean? And they would say, well, you created this whole town in flow. And you'd say, of course. I know you're new here, but I don't, I don't really think you're speaking my language. What do you mean I created the whole town? And they say, you created the whole experience. You never left flow. In the experience of flow, you created the perception of a town, of a place, of a human life, where there could be experiences not in flow. It was a perception, it was an experience that you gave to yourself to better understand flow itself. And so this is awakening. You, we, all of us have been in this experience of not being in flow, of not not understanding our own creative power of blinding ourselves to it. And one of the first indications that we are lifting off the blindfold is the emergence of a concept called flow, where we begin to sense and to understand that there are powers beyond what we create with our hands. 
that our power stretches beyond what we create with our hands. That we created ourselves, our experience, the rendezvous, the manifestations with all the other elements of our existences here and the perceptions of them. And so the idea of flow is nothing short of humanity's awakening. I want to give you another example. So I want to say that let's pretend you and I are, I don't know, in the middle of a room full of stuff. And you say to me, Katie, I want to experience limitation. And I say, all right. And you say, I don't want to be able to perceive all of this stuff. Look, I can run, I can jump, I can see stuff, I can touch stuff, I can move it. Like I have so, so many powers, I'm so infinite. And I say, yeah, sure you are. And you say, okay, I want to have an experience without those things. And I go, all right, sit on the ground, curl up in a ball. And I get some oven mitts, giant oven mitts, and I place them over your hands. And then I get a blindfold and I blindfold your eyes. And then I get some headphones and I stick them over your ears. And then you curl up with your knees to your chest and I duct tape you into a tiny ball. <laughs> I even, I tuck tape your oven mitts to your chest. They're around your knees. Okay. So you can't move. You can't touch things. You can't hear things and you can't see things. You can still smell things because we couldn't totally cut it all off. I mean, you know, you kind of still were breathing and whatever. And part of it is getting to know your sense of smell. When you're limited, right? When everything else is stripped from you, what's left? What's left and how does that work in creation? And so in our analogy, it's your sense of smell. So, okay, so your sense of smell is left. And so you sit in the room and you sit in the room for a long time getting to know your sense of smell. <laughs> you smell things in daytime and in nighttime. You smell things as they move in and out of the room, you know, et cetera. But for the most part, you're so engrossed in the sensation of the smell that it doesn't even occur to you to ask, what am I smelling? Until one day when you notice that like you don't really have to focus on your sense of smell in order to smell things. It kind of just happens doesn't happen always. Most of the time you're focused on it. But sometimes, you know, when you're just really feeling in the flow, you just smell stuff kind of comes naturally. And then as you're starting to awaken, you know, you sort of wiggle loose an arm. And so now you have this free arm and it's still got the oven mitt on it. So you really can't feel much and, you know, whatever. And it's sort of like, hanging out to your side, but you're still very engrossed in your sense of smell. And then every now and then it bumps into something that's next to you. And you kind of go, what was that? So weird. I just felt inspired to go to Mexico. It's weird. And then you go back to smelling something. Then your arm kind of keeps waving around and it bumps into something again. You say, God, I'm so agitated. It just, it feels like I keep I keep bumping into something. I don't know. What am I smelling today? Why is it getting me so upset? Must be this thing I keep smelling. I don't know. And then at some point, you gradually awaken to what had been there for a long time, which was your arm. 
and you go, no, I'm feeling something. Like this is real. Like I have a sense of a thing coming out the side of my body and it is bumping into stuff and I can't explain it and I can't see it. I can't do anything. I can't smell it. I certainly can't smell it. It feels different. It feels like, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I don't know. Maybe we could just call it arms. And bit by bit, you awaken to, you remember, you reconnect to, you expand into the perception of the parts of you that you already have. I would like to point out that most humans today have both arms out of the duct tape. And that some of us are already slipping off the oven mitts, are already lifting up the corners of the blindfolds, and are already starting to slide off the headphones. And the perception that we are coming from is still a perception of reality based on nothing more than the scent of smell. And so at times, it feels terrifying to realize that we have arms because we were only ever supposed to have noses. We, we smell things. That's what we do here. That's all I remember doing here. I don't remember anything like this. And I certainly don't remember you duct taping me into a crouching position. <laughs> For the record, we all duct taped ourselves. Totally voluntary, 100% desired. And so from the vantage point of the chorus, that is what they're saying. They're saying, you have arms. And we're saying, no. And they're saying, yeah, you have arms and you duct taped yourself and you put on a blindfold and you put on headphones and you left nothing except your sense of smell because you wanted to know your sense of smell. And so you think you're in flow when smelling comes easy. And we say that you were never not in flow, that you've been flowing through this experience of limitation the entire time. And now you are very naturally flowing into the perception of your own arms and your own capacities and your own abilities. And so while you're arguing for the fact that you smell better, (laughs) I mean, to smell not smell better. I don't know. Maybe you do. That you can smell things in a more proficient way than everybody else. And that sometimes that just comes naturally to you. They say, yes, because it comes naturally to all of you. Were it not for the duct tape and the blindfold and the headphones, were it not for your belief systems of limitation and all the varieties of beliefs that you each have collectively, but then also individually, smelling, singing, shooting, jumping, managing, anticipating, creating, and laser tag would all come to you naturally. And you say, okay, chorus, so on the days that I can't just sing naturally, and they go, yep, you're perceiving that you have duct tape. Okay, and on the days I can sing naturally, 
Yep, you are realizing that you have had infinite power to create this experience and can smell things even when you're not thinking about it. So now we get to the biggest and most badass question of all in this episode. (laughs) Then what makes you unique? I mean, that can't be a lie, can it? This desire, this wish that we all have right now to understand us, ourselves, what makes us special, why we came here, what we are uniquely called to, that idea of uniqueness, of specialness, of purpose, of intention in our creation. Is it an illusion? If we are coming from the perspective of understanding our own uniqueness by way of five senses, action, and manifestation alone, you can understand how a lot of us would be driven to either do things better than our counterparts or to do things differently than our counterparts. Because in an environment of such great limitation, How else could you possibly be unique? We all have heads. We all have arms. We all have eyes. We all eat food. We all run around. We all see the sun. There is so much of our own infinite natures that has been limited down to truly a finite set of manifestations with slight variations that we enjoy here. So in the context of a finite database, you are left with a slim margin to really look, act, or experience things differently than the rest of the things in the finite data set that are also limited in the exact same ways. But what about that infinite database concept? What happens when we all have the duct tape off, when none of us have oven mitts on our hands anymore when all of us can see again and there are no more headphones? What happens when all of us return to our infinite natures on the pure flowing perception of that? Do we all still look alike? (laughs) Do we all still wear pants and skirts and shirts? Do we all still eat? I had been working with the chorus for quite some time when they finally introduced to me the idea of core frequency. I'm sure it could take any number of names, but they named it core frequency as in the sense of an energetic identifier that is very part and parcel, very core to who we each are. As we talked about this idea of core frequency, They alluded to the concept that from their vantage point, every single aspect of creation has this unique energetic signature. It was unique at the time of its creation and due to the infinite expansion of creation, it will forever and persistently be unique. If you sit with this for a minute or two, it starts to feel a little staggering because 
That means for every aspect of creation that you ever encounter, that that aspect of creation is infinitely unique, meaning different from all other creation that you have or ever will experience infinitely. That type of variety, that type of diversity is practically impossible for us to contemplate from a mind-based perspective inside the limitations of our own experience. Because everything we created here to have this experience of limitation has rebuffed or remolded or disallowed the perception of that exact thing. The infinite. The infinite variety, diversity, and uniqueness that is inherent in each of us. One of the most beautiful things that they ever said to me is that each of us are a vital and inherent and infinite expression of creation. That the expansion of creation expands us, but that also our expansion is a vital part of the expansion of creation. Meaning, for every moment that you create, for every moment that you exist, for every moment that you make a decision or have an idea or do something, though from our limited perspective, it may not look that much different or better than all the other things that all the other humans are doing, there will forever and always be aspects of it that are unique, even here. We did the best that we could to create an environment of limitation. And according to the perspective of the chorus, we came pretty darn close to making everything the same, everything limited to a finite set of ways things can be. But the chorus marvels at it all for its powerful aspects of limitation, but also for the fact that even here, We're slightly different. My eyes are a different shape than yours. Your laugh has a different tone than mine. The way you walk and your gait is slightly different than all the other gaits of all the other humans. You know, at some point in time, we thought that a very small number of people was actually a lot. Our experience of loneliness, of limitation, was actually a lot stronger, a lot more palpable. We are more awake now than we yet realize that we are. And so we existed in these small numbers with each other. And as we expanded, that is, as we encountered more life, which may have just been a new and different tribe of humans, we were challenged in a new way to re-understand our identities and what made us unique. Who were we in the context of now seeing another tribe where we had always been the strongest member and the most powerful warrior 
And now we come across a group of people who are more powerful than we are. Today, we experience that sensation still. There are those of us who look out at the number of people on planet Earth and think, it's so many. There are so many humans. How could I possibly be unique? What's so special about me that could be different than one in billions? And the chorus smiles and says, You are unique as one in an infinite number. You think billions is a lot. You don't even have words yet for the numbers of beings and consciousnesses and expressions of creation that exist. And still, you will discover that you are unique. And you are already on the path to discovering your uniqueness, to awakening to it. Already little inklings of this are starting to reach you by way of the energetic and broader aspects of yourself that you are coming to sense. When you perceive a desire, when you perceive an inspiration, as we've talked about in previous episodes, you are receiving something from the larger or furthest edge of yourself. And it is through the expansion, through ourselves, our layers of self, perhaps, if you like that term, we expand into more and more and more of our uniqueness. Just as we continue to expand into the perception of infinite creation. Only you get that flavor of desire. Only you get that type of inspiration at that moment and at that place. Only you have that kind of intuition. And though from our limited perspective, we boil it down into three words and we say we all feel these things. Truly, there are forever unique aspects of yourself present in every manifestation that you experience here. Have you ever heard someone say, what would you do if no one else was watching? Or create it as though you don't care what anyone else would say? That's a beginning. That's a beginning of our growing understanding of the beliefs and judgments that construct our reality and affect all the manifestations in it, including the things that we create or feel inspired to do. It is the start. It is the first whiff of something of yourself beyond the sense of smell that you have limited yourself to. It is the growing understanding of capacities that you have that are truly unique. And as we go forward, you might say, all right. So then it seems to me that the more I expand into myself, the less I care 
about judgments or what other people think? And the chorus would rightly say, yes, but also. As you expand into the uniqueness of yourself, you begin to expand into the uniqueness of others. And rather than seeing it as a point of comparison, you start to delight in your own perception of the infinite and in others' perception of the infinite. Because you know that for each thing you perceive, for each desire that you receive, there will always be more and different to experience. And so what at one time drove or structured your own identity becomes a reflection of your own expansion, a celebration of life as we know it, and as the chorus said, begins to feel like freedom. And perhaps freedom as we've never even consciously known it. Now, before we all ride off into the sunset with this new understanding of our infinite selves, I want to address something that will probably come up just a little ways down that road. You'll start to feel the magic of the idea that you are infinite and also that you are unique in all of creation. And as you continue to contemplate that idea from the five senses perspective, something is likely to get activated. And that is fear. That what for a moment did feel like freedom and maybe exhilaration and fun starts to feel lonely. Starts to feel like, am I really the only one of me? As we touched on in a couple episodes ago, this belief system, these quadrants of our belief system, because they're actually quite vast, are what drove our concept, our experience here of being alone. These beliefs put a distance between us and anything else that we view as being too different. This was a marvelous aspect of limitation. It was a very effective way of disallowing our perception of the infinite. And so as you begin to move towards the idea of your own uniqueness, beliefs will likely get activated, which will begin to tell you that if you begin to move in the direction of such colossal and infinite difference and diversity, that you must be also isolated, lonely, outcast. Perhaps you've already even felt these sensations over the course of your life as you have considered moving in the direction of things that you want. That something has called to you and as you move towards it, 
things arose within you that told you to be afraid. That if you went there, you would be too different for others to understand. You would be too different to be accepted. Friends, there is beauty in that sensation because that is the sensation that kept us limited. And that was what we wanted while we were here. It has expanded us in ways that we are not yet conscious to, but are real and have happened. And now you are becoming conscious to that little part of our belief system complex. As these beliefs fall away, it is the scent, the sensation, the flow of the infinite that actually becomes the source of connection to others. Rather than our identification with others on the five senses spectrum, where we give each other manifestations as reasons to feel alike, where I say, oh, you and I look alike, or you and I come from the same place, or you and I speak the same language as reasons to feel connection with others, those things expand. Our definition of self, our sense of self becomes broader, and therefore we find more ways to connect with others. Our expansion into our own infinite into the sense that we have arms or other aspects of ourselves causes us to be able to expand into, that is, connect to or relate to more of the infinite, of the diversity, of the differences in others. As we try to contemplate this level of infinite connection to other beings, from the perspective of our five senses belief system, there is another thing that humans are apt to do, which is, it is difficult for us to imagine that kind of diversity and ongoing connection with others from within the perspective of our belief system. And so often, humans will stumble upon the idea that as we expand into the infinite and into a greater connection with others, it must look something like a oneness, a one, that we are all connected. And in our inability to contemplate the infinite, that starts to look like sort of an averaging out, (laughs) sort of an infinite primordial soup that we all sort of ooze back into and sort of ooze around with each other. But in that idea, in that concept, where has the uniqueness gone? Humans take away or diminish all the five senses manifestations that often cause us to feel so different from each other as a proxy, as a way of feeling that sense of oneness. And in so doing, the idea of that oneness sort of starts to look like a sort of faceless connection to all other life. Don't worry, we all won't have different opinions in there that piss each other off. We'll feel connected. (laughs) Don't worry, you won't look too different because that would freak me out. We just sort of are all balls of light 
and we just ooze around together in the oneness. <laughs> As the chorus pointed out, you and your uniqueness are a vital part of creation. Without you, without your uniqueness, creation would be incomplete. You don't get averaged, you don't get oozed, and you don't lose all the aspects of you that make you you by being able to connect with others on vaster scales. Rather, it is because you have begun to recognize more and more of what makes you unique that you are able to experience more and more of creation. Creation and the infinite is not a reduction down into oneness. It is an infinite expansion into difference. It is an infinite expansion into uniqueness. That is the power of creation. And we all get to experience it. Isn't it already happening? Don't you already see it? That we used to live alone in small tribes. And now, what do we perceive but billions of humans and different ideas and ways of living and cultures and languages? We perceive an immense number of animals creatures, insects, bacteria, and we're finding new ones every day. We dig up more and different dinosaurs each year. We are beginning to see further and further into the space around us, identifying new and different types of stars and quasars and planets. Are we not already expanding into more of the infinite? And are you not already becoming aware of things within you that you want, that you desire, that you feel excited about? And you might say, okay, Katie, so then if, if I'm not trying to define my own uniqueness based on the five senses, if there's if there's something broader that I'm coming to that makes me unique, what is that? And how do I know what that is? And I could say, it's okay if it's not clear yet. We're still expanding. You are already in flow. All the time. But trust me. Or maybe even trust you that when the oven mitts start to come off, you'll know. Thanks so much for listening. 
listening. We hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information, check out our website at katieandthechorus.com. There you will find show quotes, episode transcripts, details on our book, The Book of Human Awakening, as well as our newsletter sign up. Visit katieandthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.